Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Today's guest, a little bit of a surprise, and there's going to be a couple of parallels and you're going to figure it out really soon. I wanted to talk to her. We share a birthplace. We share a love of the unknown, I want to say, the spiritual world. And she's got a really interesting story to tell about that. So Linda Yamsen is right now coming to us, although you can't see, from her home in Finland. But that's not where she started, New York girl. So we're going to find out a little more about that and about her book and I'm sure a little journey that got her from point A to point B. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time this morning and welcome, Linda. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm really delighted to be here. This is my first ever podcast. Yay. Oh, what an <laughs> honor. I'm so, uh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully we won't disappoint. No, no, no. So, okay. So like we start everybody, because it, it's really quite honestly, like I read a, a little blurb or maybe a sentence, you know, maybe we exchange some text. I really, I, I think I know something, but I want to know more. So tell us about you, wherever you'd like to start. Okay. Like you, I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up on Long Island and then moved upstate with my parents. Music was my big passion from a young age. My mother was a very gifted pianist and actually had played at Carnegie Hall when she was 14 years old. Oh, wow. So I grew up hearing, yeah, I grew up hearing her playing Brahms, Liszt, Chopin, the Romantics, and would just swoon over her music. So when I was about seven years old, she sat me down next to her on the piano stool and she started to give me lessons. So passion, music was my big passion from a young age, yeah. So when we moved to state, I later went to Bard College and I got my diploma in music. And then the next 20 years were we spent going between New York City and Boston with a few years in California. But basically after 20 years of that, 
I found myself at a crossroads at age 41. And that's oh, so unusual. So unusual. <laughs> not, knowing, not, knowing I, not knowing I was going to be here permanently. It was only supposed to be, you know, a temporary two-year gig. So, uh-huh. uh, and here I am 20 years later. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that so? Well, again, best laid plans. Yes, they yes. never they never. Uh, uh, and usually because there's always something better out there for us. And that's exactly what it was. Talk so, to me. Yay. Yes. So I turned 41 <laughs> and on my 41st birthday, I was totally expecting my partner of seven years. His name was Hank to propose. You know, it just seemed like the logical thing. I was waiting for a marriage proposal and it didn't materialize. And after series of very difficult conversations with him, I realized it probably never would. So I know. So my best friend, my best friend Jenny suggested that if he couldn't commit after seven years, that 10 or 15 probably wouldn't be enough either. So I really had to think, you know, I was 41. Do I want to have children? Do I even want the possibility? You know, maybe it won't happen, but the possibility would be there. Do I stay with him? Do I compromise yet again? So Jenny Jenny told me something that has stayed with me all these years. And she said, Linda, if you want to settle down, settle down. Don't settle for. Ah, say that. Uh, that that's, that's a, it's a tattoo. Go on. <laughs> say that one more time, please. So many people need to hear that. Yeah. Settle down. Don't settle for. And I realized that I had been settling. I mean, even though I love this person, we were just doing things on his terms and it would continue that way. So that becomes my mantra in the book, settle down, don't settle for. I'm always reminding myself. (laughs) I love that. So we share a spiritual beliefs, obviously, you know, we're not here alone. We're definitely guided by guides, by angels, by, by our, our love. However, however you do uh, want to think about it. Pretty powerful. I, you know, that my tribe is, it's pretty impressive. I'm sure yours is as well. So were you always that way? Were you always believing maybe you read Horace? Everyone does it in different ways. Is it horoscopes? I'm big on uh, full moon, you know, like where are my planets right now? It's so many pieces that just come together and make sense. Yeah. So how does, how did you uh, start, I guess, your spiritual journey? Ah, Well, my spiritual journey um, was based in Christianity from a young age. My mother was was a staunch Lutheran. So I grew up as a Protestant and attending church. So that was a very strong part of my life since childhood, and it continues to be. So I wasn't uh, so much interested in the occult or, you know, I would maybe read horoscope, but I didn't take it all very seriously. But the interesting thing that happened was that when my friend Jenny heard about Hank and the situation, she offered to, as a birthday gift, to send me to see her psychic, whose name was Angelica. And so at first I, I was... Perfect name, by the way. I know, uh, I know, I know. No, no, no coincidence there. Let's. <laughs> so what happened was Jenny made this appointment for me. I hesitated. But then I remembered 
that my parents had met in the tea leaves. My mother went to a fortune teller in New York City and she drank a cup of tea and then the tea leaves at the bottom showed the initial J. And the fortune teller said that within six months, my mother would meet and marry someone with the initial J. And that's exactly what happened. Gloria met Joseph and six months later, in New York City. Yes, yes. So wonderful. I know. And so I remembered this and I thought, well, if it was good enough for my parents, it's good enough for me. And I went to see Angelica and that my visit to her absolutely changed my life. Did she do tarot? Did she just look at you? Did she read your pot? Like what, what happened? She just read you? Yeah. She, she, she was a channel. So she would just like, you know, you know, and she would just, you know, tune into you and tune into your, she called them higher, your higher guides. Yes. Yes. it was kind of a creepy feeling, you know, we would sit there and she would say, you know, don't cross your arms or legs, relax. And then she, she put this circle of light and protection around us. And, and actually her place was so beautiful and comforting. She had the Bible, like different versions of the Bible everywhere. She had statues of Mother Mary. She had crosses. On the wall. So actually I learned later that she was a devout Catholic. So I didn't feel all that I was doing something. Once I was there, it felt very comforting, but I didn't know what I was going to hear. And that was the thing that I was afraid of. I was afraid that I would hear what I didn't want to hear. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) I wanted to hear that my boyfriend Hank would come around, you know, after years, I thought, but instead her predictions were taking me in a whole different direction. So for example, the first thing she told me was that she saw me living overseas in Europe. And that sounded lovely and charming, but it, I just couldn't imagine that at that time in my life. You know, I had a full-time job, very, you know, stressful job. And I actually thinking about, I was actually a development director, which is another word for fundraiser. And, uh, I had been in a graduate program and I was expecting to take my career to the next level. So, you know, the idea of living, the giving everything up, including Hank and moving, he seemed <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And, 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 yet. and then she, and yeah, and yet, yes, who doesn't want to, do, you know, try that for a while. But then she also told me she saw me standing in front of a classroom and it seemed like I was teaching. And that also seemed far-fetched because at that time I was terrified of public speaking and I couldn't imagine what would get me, you know, to stand in front of a classroom. But then she said some things that really piqued my interest. She said that she saw musical instruments around me, that I would be getting involved in music again. And this was really wonderful to hear because for years my piano had been sitting just collecting dust mites in the corner. I wasn't singing in a choir. So I was so focused on here and, and Hank that- um, And all the things that really made you happy took, yes. took a back seat. Yeah. They had just gone by the wayside. So when music, I kind of like perked up. I thought, okay. 
But what about Frank? Then there was still this thing. Of women. <laughs> is he, is he now, in? everyone that's listening, we're like, screw Hank. Leave him at the airport. Get your bags and get on the plane. Anyway, exactly. But, you know, it, it took me a while to get to there. I know. You know? I, know. I, you know, I thought seven years. I invested seven years with Dubai, you know, and it wasn't easy. And so time invested. But and when thank God home, for your friend, Jenny. That was wow. That. And and the fact that you heard it is more important. Forget what she said. She could have, you know, and I don't think she knocked him the whole time. But the fact that you actually heard it that day. So I think after that point, anything that now when Angelica's telling you something that, again, when we know deep in our heart that it's true, but it sucks hearing it and it sucks that someone else can, I'll say, see it. And, and they're like, no, no. How do, how do you know that? You know, don't look here because it is and it's and it's piercing. But that's because it is so true. It is true. And I think I just knew in my heart of hearts, as my say, that it was true, that that this wasn't going to be a long term thing with Hank. It was never going to be what I had imagined or hoped. So but this is what Angelica wound up telling me slowly, you know, that there was a buildup there. You know. <laughs> And she just said, you know, Hank is not the one, Linda. He's just not the one. And I, and, and I was worried and concerned, whatever. And, and I said, like, how can that be true? And she said, well, the, your future spouse is waiting for you in Europe. Ah, what? And she said, yeah. She said, you won't be meeting him for a while. You'll be traveling and meeting other people. But he's there, he's waiting for you. And when I asked her to describe him, she said only that he was a tall man with glasses. And then she said that a Russian icon would bring us together. And it all sounded so intriguing. This is (laughs) I would have run, gotten my passport, packed my stuff, like yes, yes, yes. Yes. Wow. So, but I, but I, it took me a while to get to that I, point yeah, because it's a lot. You know, it's like how do you how do you afford it? What about my job? My parents were getting older. You know, what about them? And you have all these ideas and concerns. So it took me about six months. And what wound up happening was Jenny yet again had a wonderful idea. She said, "I really think you should meet with your parents. They are always so open and warm and supportive." And why don't you just ask them for, for help, financial help, you know, till you get your feet on the ground, till you get a job, you know, and, um, that's what I wound up doing. And they were really encouraging because as much as they loved Hank, they also realized, you know, yeah. it was time to it was forward. Time. Right. It was time. So they were very supportive. And then it took me about six months to um, find something to do there. I mean, I didn't want to just go and travel around. I wanted to live in one place and I wanted to work and become part of the society or community. So the place that I had a burning desire to go to more than any other place was Budapest. Really? How, I was going to say, so where did, yeah. you know, so where do you make your home base? Budapest. <laughs> it wasn't Berlin, it wasn't London, it was Budapest. And the reason was because of my love for Franz Liszt, the, the Hungarian composer pianist. So my mother used to play music all the time. I grew up playing it, listening to it. And he was just, in general, a very passionate person. 
And he was the one who coined this phrase, Odyssey of Love, which is the title of my book. He actually said, my, my life, my entire life has been nothing but an odyssey of love. I was made for loving. And that's the epigraph in my book. That's beautiful. So I thought, well, what better way to start an odyssey of love than in Budapest? And maybe my future husband is not here, but it's a good place to start. And that's where I moved to. So six months after my meeting with Angelica, I moved to to Budapest. Yes. Wow. That's beyond brave, obviously. And yet so open for adventure. Yes, I was open for adventure. And that's the the adventure because I felt like I was losing the adventurous spirit that I had had before. And that the longer I stayed with Hank and stayed, you know, and I just kept suppressing these feelings of wonderlust that I had, you know, I would just be bitter or resentful later. So I was really happy that I went. I went with two suitcases. I didn't know anybody. And the only thing I had planned was I had, um, I had purchased this uh, teacher training class at a place, international house. And it was a three month part-time program at night. So it seemed a great way to get involved, like slowly, not too much pressure it's still time to sightsee. And things happen really fast. I, like, as soon as I moved in, I met my neighbor. She became my best friend, and she still is one of my best friends. Local Hungarian, yeah. Anyway, then I wound up in this course, and then soon I was teaching at International House. And there's the teaching, standing in front of people. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I heard it. I heard it in the course you signed up for. I'm like, oh, and that's how she's doing it. Okay. It's just so funny how, and I don't know if, um, you know, like, we, we think we're, we know what we want. We think we know what we want. Let's start there. We think we know what we want. You go after it. It's we've achieved it. Here's uh, you know I'm, I'm at the top, and then yet sometimes we get stuck in thinking like that's it. We're one and done. Like well, no, I did all of this. I don't want to give this up. Hey, there's like ten better things out there, and yes. this could have just started you thinking of what you're capable of. And now, oh, here's the challenge. Now you know, go go to a place where you know no one, perhaps don't even speak the language, and good luck. And you were just like, where do I sign up? Okay, let's go next. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really ready. Really yeah. ready. Yeah. And and how fast it happens when. Again, signs might be there. And once you kind of be like, okay, I should, I guess, move on that side of the street. Oh, okay. Let me go here. And that was the express lane. Yes. And things did happen really quickly. And actually what wound up happening through a series of events is that I met a woman named Agnes, uh, another local Hungarian, and she was doing volunteer work for the Lust Academy of Music. and invited me to to work with the board fundraising and that was my area of expertise and they didn't have professional fundraisers there at the time so I was just delighted to do that uh, because of my passion for his music and and he's my idol so then what wound up happening after I was volunteering for a while she realized how much I love music and then I had been a choral singer and she invited me to sing in her chorus so what wound up happening, like months later, I joined her choir and I was singing at the List Academy on stage. 
where I had been volunteering. <laughs> and I mean, it was just, and I wound up singing there several times. That is so funny. Now I want to know about the tall man with glasses. Yes. Okay. Well, as Angelica said, he did not come into my life right away. I had originally thought I'd stay two academic years. Okay. So at the end of the second academic year, I still hadn't met him. Okay. I, actually, I thought I had met him. I thought I had met him in Amsterdam. I met probably the tallest guy I've ever met. He was British, but lived in Amsterdam. He was working. And he had glasses and he was just very lovely. And I was signs from him that he was interested. We were talking about the future, but yet he was hesitating and I wasn't sure why. And actually, after several frustrating months of not knowing what was going on, I suspected he had a double life of sorts. And I called Angelica and she confirmed did in fact have a double life, but it was not what I thought. There was no other family, no other woman. He wasn't gay. Um, and I'm not going to tell you <laughs> the spoiler. Wow. Today, you know, uh, we got to read the book, which we'll get to in a minute. Okay. Oh, I'm like, wait a minute. She's really leaving that hanging. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> His name is David in the book. So he's at the end of the book. But anyway, I was really disappointed because I, I really thought he was the one. At this point. So then what happened was, you know, he was supposed to visit me my last summer in Hungary. He never got in touch. So I started packing my stuff. I put all my stuff in my apartment in the middle of the room. I had like eight or nine boxes. I gave my notice, said I'm moving out the end of August. But then something really interesting happened. My father called and he said to me, Well, before you come back to America, do you have time for one more trip? So my father was Hungarian, no, I'm sorry, my father was Lithuanian, Polish background, descent. And his, his father had lived in Vilnius for a time. So he said to me, would you be willing to go to Vilnius, Lithuania, and do some family research before you come back? Well, up for an adventure, of course, eager to stay a little longer in Europe. Absolutely. Perfect. Absolutely. So I went to a travel agent, and this is really interesting. I booked a flight on Tyrolean Airlines. My maiden name was Tyrol. (laughs) So I thought, okay, if I fly fly on airlines, the plane won't crash. Yeah, that is very funny. um, I I had a reservation, but then when I went back to pay a week later, she said, no, 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 don't fly to Poland. She said, Helsinki is on sale this week. You will save $100 and you can fly directly from Budapest to Helsinki. And then she explained, because I'm like geographically challenged, (laughs) that from Helsinki, you take a boat to Estonia, you go through Latvia, and then you're in Lithuania. So I was going to go from Poland, you know, directly to Vilnius. And then, okay, she had this whole other way. And I thought, I'd never been to Scandinavia or the Baltic states. And I'd heard from people about how beautiful Tallinn is and Helsinki. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. I'll just do that. So I changed my, I changed my itinerary because it was on sale that week. And it was, and it was that easy for a hundred dollars savings. Isn't that so funny? You know, know, because I was leaving a hundred dollars was a lot of money. So 
I hear all of that and I'm like, isn't that, it's just the silliest thing. Not that she woke up and said, Hey, there's a better way. You know, I could shave two hours off your trip. No, I used to, I used to be a travel agent amongst a thousand things in my lifetime, years and years, years and years early. So definitely remember those days of when things are every week, there was a different route on sale and yeah. Yeah. That's, that's hysterical. And so now I'm in Helsinki. You're in Helsinki and I won't give too much away because it's the end. Well, but however I got there and I immediately took to the city and I thought, okay, I only have one and a half days here. So I got there, I walked around the city and I had one full day the next day and I crammed everything in. I went to the Sibelius statue. I went to Swamalina Fortress Island. I went shopping. I mean, I did everything because I thought I'm probably never coming back here. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not, you know, so I just crammed it all in. And then lo and behold, the next day I went downtown and I put my suitcase to go in the ferry over to Tallinn. And I, then I walked up to a Russian Orthodox cathedral. It's just gorgeous. It's this beautiful brick with gold cupolas that you see, you can see on the horizon. And so I went there and I remembered what Angelica had said about the icon. So inside this cathedral, there is a sacred icon. And I lit a candle there and said a prayer. I gave thanks. And I thought, well, okay, I never met this tall man with glasses, but I met a lot of wonderful people. I had this wonderful adventure. And okay, maybe now it's just time to go back. This is what it was. You know, it's time to go back. And I was supposed to move back in about two weeks, two weeks later. Okay. It was shortly after that, that I met the one, I met the Tom classes very soon after this scene. And I won't go into the details, but it's, it was in the, um, the fish market. How right yeah. on the harbor. <laughs> so when I least expected it, right. when I was getting ready to move back to America. Yeah. And I remember even when I met him and, this, he said, you know, what are your plans? And I was like, I'm moving back to the States in two weeks. I mean, I really thought well, yeah. you know, that was what I would right. do. Right. And, and then, but he quickly, you know, he just thought, okay, can I see you next week? Can we get together? And I thought about my itinerary, my travel plans. And I said, okay, I can see you Thursday night or Friday night. I'm flying to back to Budapest. And then my, all my stuff is there. And then I'm to the States. So that's what was supposed to happen. Right. Something tells me. Uh, we're going to read the book. Okay. So uh, love that story. Uh, uh, just love that story. When did you write this book? Why? I, I think I know the why. You've explained some things and, and just absolutely love the definition of it all. So the name of the book is? Odyssey of Love. A memoir, a memoir of seeking and finding. I love the subtitle as well. And where can we find the book first? Let's because I think people are going to want to, you know, kind of run, not walk to get that. Well, it's on Amazon, the paperback and the Kindle. It's in Waterstones. It's at Target online. These are all so at your local retailer, Kobo. It's really it's um, international and it's over in Europe. Is this your places. first book? This is my first book, and you asked about why I wrote it. Actually, it was interesting how this came about. You know, I'm 
I'm, I'm not a writer. I didn't study writing. You know, next I question. Music. Okay, go ahead. I'm like, where, where did this? <laughs> I know I'm a writer. Now but... <laughs> you are. I, I never used to be, but I am now. Go on. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, this was another interesting thing that had happened was that it was only after my father had died that I started to write. You know, people had advised me it's cathartic, you know, start writing about, write letters to him. And I did that. And then slowly I started writing about people I'd met in Hungary. And then like little vignettes, little interesting experiences. And then from my travels. And then slowly chapters emerged and then, you know, the whole story arc emerged. And I thought, yeah, this is a pretty amazing story of how I met the tall man with glasses, you know. And he, of course, has been very encouraging from the start. So I wrote it. It took years to sort of come together because in typical Gemini nature, I was also (laughs) working on projects at the same time and um, I'm also involved in a lot of music projects so it just took much longer than I ever would have thought and then another strange thing that happened along the way was that I was told by agents if I wanted to go the traditional route that I should fictionalize the whole thing that it was easier to sell as fiction than memoir which is true as a first-time writer it's much easier to sell like this kind of story as fiction than memoir Mm-hmm. But I just thought that wouldn't be really true to the story. So I stuck to my guns and then I realized, okay, I will eventually I realized I have to publish this myself. Okay. Cause that was going to definitely be my question. It's um, nice that you like impressive that you went the route of agent, but in this day and age where it makes it easier to, it's the control thing, though, too. I mean, yes, they know because that's what they do. And, and we you come out as, you know, the rookie and, and maybe a level of naivete. And maybe that's good. To I want to do it on my terms. And I, yes. And I was so glad I could write it honestly and I could have the cover the way I wanted. And parts I wanted in were not edited out. So I really had the final say on all of that. And that really meant a lot to me. So when you self-publish, is that like through, I know Amazon has a, a self-publishing uh, let. Yes. Okay. Well, ultimately it went through Amazon, but also Ingram Spark. So I hired a company to do all the nuts and bolts, which I, I knew about, but it was just too much for me. So they did all that and like they got the ISBN number, you know, they knew the measurements, the size of the book and the interior designer and all that. So that was all done for me with my oversight. And so I think it worked out really well. And I I was very happy ultimately with that whole process. It yeah. sounds... And it, and are, it you gonna right are you going to do an audible? Are you going to record? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, no, I, you know, I would love to in the future. First, I would be interested to have the book translated into Hungarian and also because I have lots of people in Hungary who want to read it, but they don't have native tongue and they don't feel like comfortable. And Finnish people here, even my Finnish family, like they were like, when is it coming out in Finnish? But you know, these things are very right. expensive and I can't, I can't translate myself. So it's it would be a question of like getting a grant here from the Arts Council or having a publisher be interested. So that's like kind of Long, longer term things. So before audio, I would probably consider that. But I think audio would be great, but I am working on the sequel now. As I told you, I've always 
like working on several projects. So I was working on Triptych, which is the second one, while I was writing Odyssey. So National Novel Writing Month is coming up in November, and I'm really looking forward to just digging in and spending quiet time here as it gets dark outside and focusing on that again. That is uh, a friend of mine is in the process of birthing a book again, based on the interesting path and journey of her life and where she found herself. And it sounds so good already. I and we're like, write this down. Oh my God, yes, this is going to yes. be so good. And Knowing that in this day and age, thank God for technology, thank God for Amazon, for the opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. For, for the opportunities. Even, yeah. And without, without, without the pandemic, I probably would still be editing my book, revising, because it really forced me to focus. I thought, okay, this could go on a long time. It's still going on here. And okay, I can just keep writing. All my concerts were canceled. My rehearsals were canceled. Things are still happening on Zoom. So I'm really glad that this was my focus during the pandemic. And I think it was for many people, many, there, now there's the, the market right now is pretty much flooded with um, e-books and new books. So there's a lot of competition, but I think it's wonderful. I, people, yeah, I think that you can never have enough books. Number one, and you can never have them, you know, there's still something to be said of walking, the smell of walking into a bookstore. Oh, and it I sounds agree. so bizarre, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's just, just opening a book like you know, like we're just touching them <laughs> and, and, uh, it, yeah, and it's subject matter I would never pick, but well, I could do hours there. And, and I don't know if it's the creatives I'll say, uh, cause I, I sew. So my, you know, my happy, give me, give me a fabric store where I can just touch everything. Cause then my eyes become my finger, you know, my fingers become my eyes. And that to me is a slice of heaven. Like when I was actually finally able to go to the fabric stores, when they opened just by appointment, I, I kind of just walked in and, you know, just like hug the bolts of fabric. I know it sounds so dorky, but it, so you just lovely. need that. That sings to you and fills you. It fills my heart. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I know exactly uh, what you mean. And I'm so, so glad that you did take the time to get this story out there and to us. Absolutely. I mean, such an interesting path journey looking back as we both were saying you know from new york and and i'm like okay as you've hopped around and then you find yourself here and i've seen all these other countries and i'm like so i grew up in stony brook and uh yeah i live two towns away <laughs> <laughs> but there's something wonderful about that too i mean there's i have friends who married their high school sweethearts and have been married for like 40 years or something and i think that's lovely lovely also. Yeah. Now we're, so, yeah. we're together think, like know, forever. Yeah. It is, yeah, it is, it's not, but I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. Like I am, I'm like T minus two years, peace out. Let's go. We'll figure something out. The fact that when my daughter moved her and her fiance at the time, like they didn't know, like she was going down for a job. They didn't know anyone. They packed it up and figured it out. And I was just, I look at them in awe of, wow, what a great life you 
and, and it's doable. My goodness, it is. So we look forward to the next chapter for sure. Yeah, you just have to be brave and take a chance. And and like and remember, not so much you, but for listeners, settle down, don't settle for. That's whatever it is, whether it's in your job, your love life, parenthood, or whatever, just you know, think of yourself, don't compromise and don't settle for, you know, wait. It's it's worth waiting. It's for. worth the wait. Oh boy. This oh. This has been exactly what I thought and even more. I, I was just, it's such a, we could go for hours as, as we probably yeah. have already, <laughs> not on air, but as we probably have already, but I'm going to let you go. All right. So thank you. I'm so honored that we're your first, uh, first of many, I'm sure, <laughs> as, as the tour is going to begin with that. And once again, tell us where everyone can find you on social uh, and again, the name of the book and everything will be in the show notes. Go ahead. Okay. So the name of the book again is Odyssey of Love, subtitle, A Memoir of Seeking and Finding. And my website is www.lindajamsen.com. On Facebook, I have an author page, which is my Finnish name, Linda Yamsen. So it's Linda Yamsen Author. And then I have a page on Facebook for my book. It's called Odyssey of Love Book. On Instagram, I am at Linda Jamson author, and I am L Jamson on Twitter. So I'm really all over social media at the moment. You are out there. But you know what? Why not? Because, you know, through all of one of those handles, we made this connection. And there's plenty more to happen there. I know. I absolutely know. It has just been, like I say, such an honor. Love the story. Ordered the book. Hurry up, Prime. You know, I get a little impatient with Prime nowadays, but that's okay. It's coming. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you so much again for having me. Oh, it has been. And listen, when the sequel comes out, I hope hope the first stop is here again. I hope so. Oh, I promise. I will promise. Right now. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Thank you again. Okay. Yay. Okay. We've already planned. Oh my goodness. Thank you everybody for listening and for continued listening and the wonderful, wonderful notes and, and reviews. And it really means so, so much to us. It really, really does. You can hear us anywhere you listen to your pods on Apple, on Spotify, on iHeart. So please subscribe, download, rate, review. I guess those numbers count. I don't know, but yeah, it's been a blast. It continues to be so, so good. And I'm going to leave you today in the words of Jenny. Thank you, Jenny, because these are words to live by. You can settle down, but don't settle for love. Until the next time, enjoy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight.
You've got this.